Hello, and welcome to a new episode of the DeFi Talks podcast, the podcast where we talk everything tech. I am Ciro, and I have with me today my host, Jake. Uh, welcome, Jake. Hello, hello. So today we kind of wanted to take it slow and go over some very big news uh, in the crypto world. There's a lot of things that are happening that might suggest we are moving in a good direction. And there's a lot of stuff that's very exciting on the horizon, uh, particularly, and this is what we're going to start with, uh, the Ethereum 2.0 merge. Uh, that's that's huge news. So what do you think about that, Jake? Yeah, thanks, Ciro. Um, yeah, one of the one of the things that's about to happen here as we record this episode, September 10th, is this week ahead um, is going to uh, like the the merge is finally here and happening, and they're calling it the biggest event in Web three since the actual creation of the Bitcoin white paper. And we can talk in general what's going on uh, in a second, and it's a little bit of the tech, uh, the tech of what's actually happening, but. Ultimately, what this represents is a big five-phase scaling plan for the Ethereum main blockchain network. And uh, it's really exciting because uh, things like energy improvement are happening, things like a plan to scale into 100,000 transactions after the next phase of, of these um, integrations, you know, the merge being phase one of, I think, five things that are happening. Um, but yeah, it's really exciting. Like you said, uh, Saro, it's been um, a huge milestone or will be seen as a huge milestone for Web3 and crypto. I also want to mention that it's been talked about for years. It's been like a two-year conversation. It, we thought it was going to happen last fall. It's been delayed all year. But for the first time ever, we have a date and we have a block time. Um, not necessarily a date, but a block time uh, that where it will occur. And so it's really happening. It's finally going to happen this week officially. So before uh, we go on with the conversation, I kind of want to give some background information for those of you that might not know why this merge is happening and why there are going to be updates to the network. So Ethereum has had issues in the past with uh, the amount of energy that is consumed to create the tokens so that the network could be functional, uh, which is in the current climate uh, a big problem. Ethereum and the people that are developing it have made a very wise decision to find a way to quickly reduce the amount of energy that is being consumed by the network so more projects can be put on. And they're moving towards a future where we won't need as much to even allow way more people to actually participate, which has not been the case as of late since transaction fees sometimes can soar up to like hundreds of dollars, sometimes even thousands of dollars. Um, but that's one of the main things that drove this merge. And then uh, the next thing is that now with this whole thing changing, it's going to allow for a lot more development to be done on the platform itself and a lot more projects to be made useful to the common public. So Jake, is there anything that's exciting you about this whole merge? Uh, could you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, the whole thing is exciting. I mean, even down to the fundamental level of what's ultimately going on is everyone knows the Bitcoin uh, blockchain is a proof of work and there's a mining element. So in order to validate all the transactions, you have all these supercomputers all around the world who are racing to be the the 
a computer or the, the combination of computers that can actually complete the block. And we've had that for the Ethereum mainnet for a long time. You have Ethereum miners. And what's happening with the merge is that we're moving into proof of stake. And so this is the first time such a massive blockchain has evolved like this. And so just seeing that in general, the ability to to handle this evolution, and like you said, Ciro, with that comes this massive drop in energy consumption. So it drops by 99.95%. You're going from this massive energy consumption with all these computers running all around the world to then going to a proof of stake where people are have staked ETH and they're using that proof of their stake or proof of their, their digital currency of the ETH token to validate the network. And so you just need so much less energy. And uh, the other thing that's really exciting, again, macroscopically, just keeping this at like a 40,000 foot view for the Web3 community and blockchain element or blockchain uh, um, community in general. But this is just a one of, of five pieces. After this will be the surge. And that could take another couple years. But that's where we can, for the first time ever, maybe beat Visa, who can handle 50,000 transactions. They're already talking about a 100,000 ETH mainnet transactions per second potential at, with, with step two after the merge. So that's really exciting. I mean, I just feel excited in general. For, for such a big project, the second biggest one ever, second to Bitcoin, to be able to pull off such a transition. We can talk about kind of what's going on and how. Um, but uh, yeah, I just feel really excited in general, Sarah. Let's, let's uh, think about something. Uh, as a developer that works in this space, one of the biggest hurdles to getting people to adopt this stuff is the fact that it's just not as convenient as mastering Visa card and credit cards and cash. Um, and there's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, traditionally, it's been very hard to uh, get money onto the network and take money out of the network so that you could pay your bills, for example. Um, and that's that's changing super, super quickly. Uh, there's been a lot of companies that are now thinking about providing on-ramps and off-ramps on the Ethereum mainnet um, that aren't the Coinbase's or the uh, Binance's of the world. So with this old happening i feel like the developments are going to allow the common folk to actually participate in this much easier um and th that's pretty much the most exciting thing for me there is some concerns that i have about this and i'd like to go over those a little bit if you don't mind yeah of course so if we think about how this network has been run traditionally Anybody with a computer and with an electricity outlet could potentially earn Ethereum and participate in keeping the network safe and clean for everybody else to use. That is one of the major pluses for cryptocurrencies that anybody can participate. All they need is a computer. With this new, with this change coming up, I feel like it's going to restrict uh, people from actually participating because you need to have 32 ETH, which at the moment is like maybe $50,000 um, to actually participate in validating the network. So I'm, I'm pretty concerned about that. Uh, I think that that's a step back in terms of decentralization, even though the trade-off is that we get to have much more transactions and um, maybe have a more usable product. What do you think about that, Jake? Yeah, that's definitely a good point. I know we were talking about this just before recording the podcast. Um, I guess it's that balancing act of uh, requiring enough stake so that you literally have enough skin in the game to um, 
be uh, responsible and you want to be accountable for your voting and your decision making and the network as a validator. That's kind of the point is that you're incentivized to to uphold the network properly and do the right thing personally because you have literally tokens at stake yourself and skin of the game. And so I think that's that's the number that they found is the right harmony is that it's not too big, not too small. And yes, unfortunately, there's a ton of people who, you know, 32 ETH is pretty cost prohibitive at this point. Now, maybe you've been holding ETH for a long time. I just watched a video a few months ago of somebody who bought 26 cent ETH and they sold it at $2,600 just a few years later. So I guess if you want to talk about price uh, prohibition, then I guess what we're really talking about is maybe it's price prohibitive now. But there's definitely some Web3 people who have been OGs from places that don't have resources like the Philippines and India, who I'm sure are running a lot of validation nodes. We should look at a map or something just to see what that looks like. But no, it's a great point. And I find that they've used that number somehow to be the balancing act. Not too big, not too small. Um, but yeah. I tend to agree that we we definitely need a way to kind of punish people that are not participating in good faith and slashing you know, slashing your ETH or your stake is a great way to uh, kind of control that. Um, I can also think of some solutions to the problem of not maybe some places in the world not being able to afford that kind of stake. Well, perhaps people could pool their um, tokens together and run a validator and they could climb up the ranks. It it And again, like it's all trade-offs all the way down. So this could be the right decision at the moment, and it certainly is because we do need to think about uh, energy efficiency since it's become such a problem for the world. But I also feel like there might need to be some adjustments made to these rules or like some other way to participate that allows places that traditionally don't have that much um, income to be able to afford to get in the game. Uh, especially if we think about the fact that some some people that are running nodes or some companies are massive in scale and are able to outcompete people over time. But these are just things that I've had running through my head that I wanted to get out there. Uh, I don't think it's like the end of the world that this is happening. I think it's possibly a really good thing, and we'll see where it goes. Um, and there's some other news that we should talk about, unless, of course, you have anything to add, Jake. No, I just think... I want to conclude that, you know, this episode, this podcast episode is going to be released after the merge, but, you know, just putting some things down in this moment in time, you know, it's a little scary to have any ERC 20 tokens that are on a regular exchange during the merge. So if you have stuff just sitting in your Coinbase app or some sort of exchange that's not in a non-custodial wallet, then you should uh, read about it and just consider the risks of leaving it in in the app and leaving it on an exchange because uh, that's a little scary. And even Coinbase itself has advised that you do not keep tokens on our exchange during this time. It's too fragile and uncertain. So things like that. I think people should just be paying attention. And if anything, you know, get your popcorn ready because there's going to be so much media and so much marketing and just so much attention and rallying around crypto this week. It's going to be a little bit like the Super Bowl ads where, you know, like maybe more and more normy stuff in your life will be showing signals of, of Web3 blockchain crypto growth and proliferation in our community and our society. So I just feel super excited about this moment in time. Um, so I hope everyone celebrates it, gets on Twitter, interacts with us, and, and participates. You know, I kind of wish we were doing a merge party, <laughs> to be honest. But, um, yeah, I think we're going to be doing one remotely uh, this week either way.
just to just to go back to that, I think you guys. Should, I mean, that would probably perform really well, um, and it, it could be an educational uh, like a day for educating people about the dangers of leaving, um, like your your tokens, your ERC twenty tokens and exchanges right now. Because I know a lot of people know about crypto and they're familiar with all these things that we're talking about, but uh, most people tend to keep their tokens in exchanges um very few people are actually keeping them in like decentralized wallets uh so if you haven't yet download metamask or coinbase wallet or any other app that lets you hold your own tokens and yeah like jake said just hold on it's going to be a great ride uh, i think a lot of a lot is going to come out of this um so some other news uh maker recently made the news uh because they have offered a massive loan to a traditional finance bank. I think the the traditional bank was the one that approached uh, Maker for the loan. Was Is that right, Jake? Yeah, that's right. They submitted a proposal for this in March. That's that's wild. So um, the the loan was 100 million DAI. And th this this is, to me, it, it, it is like really good news. Uh, it it solidifies a lot of things, uh, specifically that we are finally at the point where a traditional bank is willing to reach out and participate in this system um, without necessarily being anonymous or hiding or keeping it like behind locked doors. Uh, th that's like massive news. So I know Jake, you're more you know more about this. So could you would you mind sharing? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Zero. So, you know, all this is going to be public and, and is just an anecdote about the story. But uh, we have a, a good friend, Thomas J. Rush, who's the founder of True Blocks and an OG Web3 developer here in Philly. He sent us an email as a team a, a few days ago and was like, hey, guys, I, I, I really think we should be paying attention to this. And then we're like, what are you talking about, Jay? So we got him on the phone and he gave us the whole story. But the news cracked about this proposal that was happened that was initiated in March. The news cracked about two weeks ago that this loan has gone through and it's been approved and voted through the proposal. And yeah, like you said, Sarah, one hundred million dollars in Dai, which is MakerDAO's stablecoin. Arguably, I mean, it's the oldest, not even arguably, but the oldest, most stable, most respected um, stablecoin project is MakerDAO, and Dai is an over-collateralized stablecoin. So unlike other stablecoin pro projects that we've seen, there actually is assets a one-to-one -one or more. I think it's, it's in some cases 150% over-collateralized, so it's a super safe and stable um, uh, treasury around the Dow and this bank, Huntington Valley Bank, they know this. And so they submitted this proposal in March. It's a it's a small chartered, Pennsylvania chartered bank that has the ability to take out and, and uh, deal with loans that are uh, a little bit more free. They can have more flexibility than certain other banks. That's what a Pennsylvania chartered bank offers. And they've been around since uh, 1871, and there's only five locations. And they, I just think they're, even though they're a traditional bank, they're seeing this transition. They're about as decentralized as it gets. You know, they're not Big Chase or Wells Fargo. And there's somebody, I think it's this person who's going to come speak to our group, who brokered this deal and advocated for them to submit this proposal. And Jay, when Jay Rush, when he found out about this news, he just started calling Huntington Valley Bank and um or got, got an intro somehow i think mike McC mccoy introed him but we got access to the guy who brokered the deal 
and it's the biggest event in centralized finance and de decentralized finance collaboration history. Um, I'll add one other thing to it. It sounds a little goofy for a $100 million loan to happen between a, a Web3, a, a DAO, and a traditional bank, but this is why this is important, and this is why this is going to make history. This is why we're talking about it. This is why Jay called us up. This is why we're having this guy speak. This is why we're trying to engage someone with Maker, but in order to grow, in order for Web3 and DeFi to grow, all this wealth and all this liquidity and all this power and influence is still held in traditional finance. We need innovative banks. We need pension funds. We need hedge funds. We need people in traditional finance to adopt the money that is here in Web3 and, and open themselves up to collaborations and opportunities because we still need this overlap to happen for five years, 10 years. We need that because all of the wealth is still held, held on the other side. We can't just build this in a vacuum. So that's why we need small banks like Huntington Valley Bank to see the innovation that they have right in front of them and grab, grab, grasp one and do stuff in Web3. And it's really cool and really exciting. So there you go. That's enough of the, the, the TED talk about the deal. So uh, let's, uh, let's also discuss the fact that the loan was issued in the stablecoin itself, which means now this bank holds $100 million in a cryptocurrency token which I feel is that's true. It, it is true that it's unheard of. And it's it, what surprises me the most is uh, it was DAI and not USDC. I thought this was this would be something that would be more like would lean towards USDC more specifically because it's an American bank. Um, didn't this also happen in Philly? Yeah, I guess that's another thing I, if I didn't emphasize it enough, but Huntington Valley Bank is a small regional bank just here in Philly. The the, the uh, banker who I'm pretty sure his information is all going to go public, but I'll hold his name back from for now, but he's here in Philly. So yeah, you got it. This is really exciting for uh for us and again look at look at this area this is why we call this DeFi philly independence 2.0 we have the red white and blue like we are here creating the future of web3 as a city it's awesome i i am actually very surprised that it's in philly um it's it's really great news for the group so uh let's <laughs> i think everybody that watches knows but maybe some people will watch this later uh this whole this this whole podcast spawned out of uh, DeFi philly which is a uh grassroots crypto group um like an educational group that is run by uh one of our friends mike in philly uh it's it's made a lot of news recently because uh they threw a massive uh conference that went really really well and now it is connecting to the larger crypto community. So it's really nice seeing how things are taking off in Philadelphia and what a great place for it to take off because uh, there's a lot of traditional banking in Philly. Um, it, it keeps, it, it makes, it makes this much more likely that we're going to have a crossover later on um, in Philly itself. So yeah, that's some very exciting news. What else has happened uh, recently in the crypto world? Is there any other news that we could cover? Um, I really think it's it's uh, all heads down looking at the merge. Um, just things that are coming up in general uh, that are like active news. Meta Cartel, their conference, MCon just happened. Drew was out there for that. Drew Malin, another one of the DeFi Philly co-founders, and again, you know, the original community here. The reason that me and Sarah know each other and have connected for this podcast. Um, Chainlink has their conference in New York. It's called SmartCon. That's September 28th, 29th. We're going to that. We have media passes. We're actually giving away a bunch of passes for that too. So follow the DeFi Philly Twitter. And I saw you started the DeFi Talks Twitter. 
I'm sure we can be putting that out to this community and having their access to, uh, you know, any DeFi Talks fans are certainly eligible for DeFi Philly ticket giveaways to things like SmartCon. Um, so that's yeah. We should we should keep a single ticket for uh, like as we we single yeah. ticket for somebody that watches this. Just give out the code at the end of the episode or something. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, otherwise, <laughs> yeah. the thing, in terms of things that are going on, you know, I'm going to keep it more localized and, and central to, to the community here and the projects that we're adjacent to. You know, Sharif, sorry, Ciro, uh, you'll have to edit that. <laughs> I knew I'd have, I knew I'd slip at least once this episode. <laughs> nah, I don't mind. It's okay. Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's a chill episode. I've been I've been happy with myself so far, but Sarah, I'm going to encourage you to apply. But as you know, with the Philly Startup Leaders Accelerator uh, being announced lately this week, we're going to have ten Web three entrepreneurs go through this accelerator over the next uh, three months and uh, be a part of that. So if anybody's listening and they have a friend or a project themselves and think that they would be eligible for like a a year one, definitely MVP early stage project accelerator, it's a perfect fit for you. We're doing fundraising component for that as well. Um, so those are a couple things going on that I think can be on people's radar. Um, I think the last thing I'll discuss then is uh, what's been happening here where I'm living. Uh, we had ETH Warsaw recently and MakerDAO was one of the biggest sponsors there. Uh, it, that was a great event. There was so much activity. And now that uh, Crypto Mondays is happening here in Poland, we are looking at some kind of collaboration in the near future. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, this is turning more global and hopefully in the future we'll be able to discuss more news from other places and have this grow. Thank you guys for watching. This has been episode 15 of the DeFi Talks podcast and we'll see you in the next one.